Praise God. Certainly praying for the nations right now. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians 3, 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. If anybody knew about the benefits of citizenship, it was Paul, because he was a Roman citizen. Most of us know that from our Bible studies and from reading Scripture. There are accounts in Scripture, of course, when he got in trouble with authorities and they were getting ready to either punish him severely or even think about killing him. And it was only the fact that he revealed that he was a Roman citizen in some of those occasions that saved his life, right? He would let the authorities know, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, and all of a sudden, things changed. Why? Because citizenship has benefits, privileges, things that come associated with it. In Roman society, Roman citizenship was highly valued during Paul's time. And what you have to understand is that the empire, the Roman empire was big. It spanned almost the whole Mediterranean. And so this was the dominating empire of its time. And so to be a citizen of that empire was to be of the high elite social class as far as all the other nations were concerned. It was a highly coveted citizenship. Those who weren't citizens wanted to be citizens, wanted to have the privilege of being able to travel within the empire as they pleased, wanted to be able to have the, the right not to be just put away in a prison cell without any trial or hearing. Did you know that? Roman citizens had a right to appeal to the authorities so that their, their, their case would be heard by a higher authority. They could basically ask to be seen by a Roman person ahead instead of some vassal placed in this, in this region over here trying to tell them what's going to happen to them. So Paul knew about the benefits of citizenship. He knew about the privileges that came with it. And I'm sure that we don't have in Scripture all the times that Paul pulled out the citizenship card when he needed it in order to get out of a jam. But even knowing everything we know about Paul's use of the Roman citizenship, 
we find that Paul writes to the Philippians to tell them that there is a citizenship that he has that is even better than his Roman citizenship. And everybody there is going, no, there's no better citizenship. It's like telling somebody that there's a better citizenship than American citizenship right now, right? Everybody wants to come here. This is a great place, right, America? You got people all over the world that want to come to the U.S. because they know of all the opportunities and all the privileges that come with being in the States. Well, back then, that was Rome. Rome was the pinnacle. To be able to be a Roman citizen was the highest. So when Paul writes to the Philippians and tells them, I have a better citizenship than the Roman citizenship to tell you about, they were like, nah, you, you've lost it. You're, you're confused. There's no way. And then he tells them, I'm talking about our citizenship in heaven. He says, this is the citizenship that we have in Jesus Christ. Even though Paul was a Roman citizen, he held his heavenly citizenship as the most important in his life. And that is something to note because citizenship means that we pledge allegiance and loyalty to. Think about it. Anybody remember when you were growing up in school and they made you say the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We can all say that in our sleep. What does it mean, though? It means that as citizenship, we pledge allegiance to the country. We say that we're going to contribute to it and help it and defend it if it gets under attack, that it, we're going to be good citizens that provide for support for the country and not bring it down, right? That is what we pledge in our citizenship. When Paul tells the Philippians that our citizenship in, is in heaven, he's letting them know that his true allegiance is to God and to Jesus Christ, and that the kingdom of God is his first and most important allegiance in his life, that this citizenship is more valuable to him than any citizenship that he could ever obtain here on earth. So Paul tells them, you know what? This is the most important citizenship you have to have. And I want you to continue to live your lives following my example so that you can live with that citizenship. And before you start saying, well, that sounds like an ego trip, right? Paul is saying, imitate me. Well, you have to read the prior chapter. He's just told them all of the accolades that he has as an individual, as a person in life. Pharisee, son of Jew, all this stuff. And then he's told them that's all rubbish. That he leaves it behind for the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. So when he says, imitate me, he's saying, imitate me in rejecting all of the things in this life that we tend to think of as important and valuable and leave all that behind for the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Imitate me in that. Imitation is one of the ways we learn things. Think about it. Some of us did not have older siblings, but maybe older cousins. Or we had a friend that was older that we used to follow around and imitate all the time. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the not so good. Right? Because the problem with imitation is that we do things 
imitating somebody else, and they might not get in trouble, but they caught you, right? (laughs) You imitated them, and you did something, and you're the one that got caught. (laughs) Imitation is one of the ways we learn to do things. We see others doing them. We try to follow their example. We try to do it exactly how they do it. But because we're not them, we don't get it just right. When I was a kid, I tried to imitate my cousin walking on the roof. Didn't work so well. I almost fell off the roof because I wasn't him and I wasn't doing it right. Imitation, though, is one of the ways we learn. For years, when Miguel was young, I tried to teach him how to play with a little car. You know, one of those matchbox cars? And I would take the car and I would put it on the ground and I would go, Miguel, broom, 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 let's play with the car. And Miguel would take the car, flip it around, and just spin the wheels all day long. And here I would be two-handed. Here, Miguel, broom, 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 let's try it. And Miguel would take the cars, turn them over, and spin the wheels. As much as I tried to get him to imitate me, Miguel did not learn how to play with a car from me. Because I was dad. dad. Imitating dads is not cool for kids a lot of times, right? It wasn't until Miguel was about five or six and he was in preschool that one day I saw him and he was playing with a car the correct way, rolling it on the ground. And to my surprise, he didn't learn it from me. He learned it from another kid in preschool that was doing the right playing. He learned it from imitating him, from watching him. It came more naturally to him to imitate somebody who was his peer than his father. It came more naturally to him to imitate somebody that was closer to his age and to his status. In many ways, Paul knew that for us, imitating Jesus was a little intimidating. Try to imitate the Son of God. Be more like Jesus. Well, that's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Measure up to the stature of the Son of God. That's all you got to do today. And so he says, I know that's intimidating. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me set for you an example. He knew that for the Philippians, it would be easier to watch him and to see how he was Christ-like, to see how he was being like Jesus, and then for them to do that. To be a copy of a copy, if you will. To be imitators of the one who was patterning their lives after Jesus. Why did Paul want them to imitate him? Why? Because there's always somebody setting a bad example. There's always somebody out there setting a bad example for others to follow. And he knows that some of them are following the example of these people that are setting a bad example. And what bad example am I talking about? He says there are enemies of the cross. People who are putting their eyes and their focus on this life. People who are thinking about the earthly desires and the things that they want in this life and not thinking about the things of eternity. He said these people are enemies of the cross and they're setting a bad example for you. They're taking freedom in Christ and making it into something that means I can do whatever I want and there's no consequences. 
He says, these are bad examples for you, and these people are not to be imitated. So instead of imitating them, imitate me. Paul says that this makes him even cry. You know why? Because when people are setting a bad example, somebody else follows them, and they fall. And they are the ones that are affected. And it makes him cry because it makes him very sad to see people who are saying that they are followers of Jesus, and yet they're leading others astray. He says, you are not to set a bad example, and you're not to follow a bad example. You're to make sure that if you're imitating somebody, you're imitating somebody who really knows Christ and who really knows the gospel. He says, because you are not citizens of earth. You're citizens of heaven. Your citizenship is not here. Your allegiance is not here. Your devotion is not here. It is to God and to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And our heavenly citizenship calls us to serve only one Lord, to declare Jesus as the only Messiah, the only way to the Father, to say there isn't another way, to say there isn't multiple paths, to say there's only one way to God, and it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. Paul wanted them to imitate him because these enemies of the cross are leading people to be lost, and to lose their citizenship. Well, what can be expected of citizens of heaven? Because we know in earthly citizenships, we get protection, right? We get the benefit of being able to work and to earn a living. Oftentimes, citizenship allows you to have property in the nation and to own things. So what comes with Heavenly citizenship. What is it that Paul thinks is so great about this heavenly citizenship? He says, when you have heavenly citizenship, you are looking forward to a day in which your body of humiliation will be transformed into the glorious body that Jesus Christ will give you. Boy, my body humiliates me on a regular basis. It really does. There are times in which I go, really, you're going to hurt today? Really, you don't want to go today? Baba can, can attest, right? Really, you're going to break today? I mean, the, there are so many times in which this body humiliates me. This body brings me down. This earthly existence becomes difficult. And he says, if you are a citizen of heaven, you are expecting this body to be transformed in glory and for all of this to be changed in a blink of an eye when Jesus Christ returns. And that's something to look forward to. But this is not the first time that Paul has told them about the enemies of the cross. You see, Paul had always had to fight off false teachers that would show up in town with a gospel that was different than the gospel that he had preached. There were so many coming in, preaching an easy gospel, oh, come accept Jesus Christ and then you can do whatever you want with the body because it doesn't matter. Oh, come to Jesus Christ and you'll never have need because, you know, everything will be supplied magically. There won't be any struggles in life. It's going to be hunky-dory and rosy. And there were people preaching 
prosperity gospels. Oh, come and God's going to make you rich. You know, even back then, God's going to give you just wealth. And there were so many false gospels coming through that Paul knew that he needed to warn them about these bad examples that were not Jesus Christ. These people that were professing a gospel that was contrary to what he knew to be true. Paul knew that he and his companions weren't perfect. They weren't, you know, without fault. But he knew that they were striving to be imitators of Christ in their lives and to be good examples to the congregations that they were starting. When you seek to follow an example, it really helps to have a good model to go from, right? It really helps to have a good example to follow. You know, when I was a kid, we did the whole tracing of the hand. You ever did that as a kid? Well, some people were better than others at that. Mine never looked like a hand when I was done. There was better people there that were really able to really keep their, their dexterity right, even at that early age, and get, get it to look like a hand. Those were the ones that I wanted to imitate because mine didn't look like a hand. It looked more like a little blob with, like, tentacles. And you see, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you need to find people in your life that are giving you a good example, that are really trying to follow Jesus Christ, that are really being faithful, and you need to try to trace the pattern of their lives in your own life in as much as they're imitating Christ, be imitators of them. And as I say this, you have to understand that the Greek word for, for imitation is typos, to be of the same type. What Paul was saying is be of the same type as Jesus Christ. To follow and pattern your life in such a way that when people see you, they see Jesus. And in order for that to happen, you have to follow good examples. And you have to be inspired by good examples. When I say that, some of you are already thinking of good examples of Christians in your own life. You're thinking about Sunday school teachers. You're thinking about pastors. You're thinking about church members that were just quiet and just were prayer warriors. You're thinking about people that are so giving that you want to imitate their generosity and their giving. You're thinking about people that are so faithful that even when their body's failing, they still come to church every week. You're thinking about so many people that you can identify by name that have patterned their lives on Jesus Christ. And when you think about them, you need to know that Paul is saying, imitate them. Don't just admire them. Don't just celebrate them for being good and faithful. Imitate them in as much as they're imitating Christ, because in doing so, you are working on your citizenship in heaven. You are working on being more like Christ so that others will know Jesus as you have known him. You know, citizenship is hard to get if you're not a citizen and not born in this country. I mean, there's a years-long waits of processes and paperwork. Ask anybody. I mean, it, it, it's hard to become a citizen of a country 
And the benefit of our citizenship in heaven is it only requires us to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to become a citizen of heaven. It requires us declaring our allegiance to God in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, and we're immediately made citizens of heaven. And so when you become a citizen of heaven, you also become an ambassador for Christ. And then you get to tell others, hey, you can be a citizen too. You can join God wants you in his kingdom. God wants to help you in your life. To become a citizen of heaven is easy. To remain a citizen sometimes is hard. Because we have to continue to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. You know, many of the citizenships, like I said, come with a lot of benefits, but the citizenship in heaven requires us to follow a Savior who was willing to sacrifice, empty himself fully, and go on a cross to forgive our sins. It's a citizenship that calls us to humble ourselves and to give ourselves away. It's a citizenship that asks us to conform ourselves to the body of his glory and not to the things of this world. It's a citizenship that asks us to become recruiters for the kingdom of heaven by asking more and more people to become citizens with us. Paul wanted the Philippians to stand firm in their citizenship. Now, when somebody asks you for your citizenship, you immediately pull out your good old passport. Passport, as my wife reminds me. Passport. I call it passport, but it's a passport. In Spanish, it's pasaporte, so I put an A in there. Passport. You pull out your passport if somebody asks you about your citizenship and they want to know your legal status and you need to prove it, you pull out your passport. What do you pull out? when they ask you about your citizenship in heaven. Should be your Bible. It should be your testimony. It should be your story of how God has worked in your life. It should be everything that God does every day to keep you going, to make it through another day. Because when we share those things, people then want to imitate us in as much as we are imitating Christ. And they want to be citizens of heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you because you have made us citizens of heaven through grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to continue to invite others to become citizens of heaven, to continue to extend that invitation to everyone we meet, to show them, O oh Lord, how wonderful it is to be a follower of Jesus. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will continue to bless those who have served as examples for us in our lives. To bless those, O oh Lord, who have shown a pattern of faithfulness that we imitate ourselves. Continue, O oh Lord, to help us to imitate them as much as they imitate you. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar